from the Rose City in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, home of bikes, books, bridges, beards, food carts, startups, and indie coffee. Grab your dog, snatch your hammer and beer, leave your umbrella at home. Welcome to the Tiny House Podcast. Good morning, everybody. It's Tiny House Podcast. I'm Perry. This is Michelle. And this is Mark. And today we have a blast from the past. Lester Walker <laughs> was introduced to us by um, Deke Dietrichson. He happened to be a, uh, he's an architect, but he's also a writer. And one of his most popular books is about tiny houses. And it was that book, or maybe one of his other books on tiny houses, that really caught um, Deke, uh, Deke on fire. And so we thought it would be a good idea to have Lester on the show today and talk with him about how he got interested in tiny houses and everything else about what Lester is all about. So, welcome, Lester. How are you? Welcome. Good. How are you? I thought you were going to call me Les. I was going to call you Les. Wow. But, in the, but in the beginning, we, I tend to be formal. So from Okay. That, from be less formal. <laughs> hey, Les, don't feel, at least you got your name correct. Yeah, that's because right. it seems to be a theme with the show. It seems to be a theme that we we're, we get confused of our guest names. Good morning, Les. How are you? Good morning, Michelle. So we're talking to you. You're you're in. Are you in New York? I'm in Woodstock, New York. Woodstock. What's it, what's the weather like? The weather's beautiful. It's like 55, 60 degrees, and uh, Christmas is on its way. We don't have any snow. Wow. Nice. Sing us a Christmas carol. Yep. <laughs> That's where we restart. No, anyway. <laughs> so, you don't know. He might love carrying up the whole karaoke yeah, thing. Deke rapped. What can I say? <laughs> rapped, he did. So, anyway. so do you do you know Deke Dietrichson, Les? Um, I've had some letters and some discussions. I've seen his books, uh, maybe online, but uh, I don't know him. I've never sh- uh, uh, shaken his hand. Do you know that you're his inspiration? Uh, uh, no, uh, uh, that's great news. He's a good man, I know. <laughs> so we were we were doing some research on you, and it, it looks like you did a you wrote a tiny house book in two thousand thirteen. Thirteen. No, there's an eighty seven. But there's an eighty seven. Yeah. There's two of did, how many? Nineteen eighty seven is the original tiny book of tiny uh, tiny houses. It's called Tiny Tiny Houses, and it was written in eighty seven. Actually, I started in eighty. One or two. It took me five years. Wow. Wow. And, and why is it that you... Well, first of all, were tiny houses even a thing back then? No, they were not a thing. So uh, I got interested in tiny houses in 1961 when America sent a space... Uh, a manned spacecraft into uh, into the air. And uh, uh, there's about 18 square feet of, of built... Of, of, Human, a space where a human had to to live. Wow! And uh, I was just said, well, if they can do it in eighteen square feet. Why can't we, uh, you know, build some tiny houses uh, on land? So your inspiration to get involved in tiny houses was the nat was NASA. It, it began there, and and I, I've always felt that you know why why uh, can't we build smaller because. It saves it saves so much money, uh, and 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 it's it's so much more efficient. Just the construction, the taxes, the 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 heat, you name it. it it's uh, <laughs> it's it's crazy. What and, and then along came the McMansion movement, and uh, I I decided to just get more interested in it. What 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 do you think? What do you think it is about you that had you go that direction as an architect? 
It's probably my Scottish blood. I'm really cheap. <laughs> I don't like to, you know, to spend money. Uh, uh, I don't like to do anything that's not efficient. Huh. And my son will tell you that. We have arguments all the time in our, in our architectural design. I'm always trying to save things, and he's always trying to do it do it a little bit better. Uh huh. I thought you were going to say do it right. <laughs> I was close. More expensive. So. Yeah, more expensive. Yeah. If it's more expensive, then I, then you might want to do it a different way. Right. So, so, okay, so you, you, you speculated, um, could we build houses the way they do uh, spaceships? And then what got you to well, want to... Yeah, that, that, got, I, that piqued my interest about in 61. And then I was an architect for quite a long time. And, and uh, you know, to say 20 years before I started the book, what really got me going was um, there was a competition that House Beautiful magazine ran in 1984. And... Uh, it was um, it was to design a small house, fifteen hundred square feet, and um, they they were starting to think about getting smaller as well at the time. And I won the competition, and at the and the house was built in Reston, Virginia. And when I was um, wrapping up the the whole project uh, with a a whole group of really cool people, uh, the editors of the magazine, the newspaper people, and so on. We were just sitting around, and somebody asked me what I was going to do next. And I said, I was going to, I, I thought, I'm thinking about doing a book on really small houses. And boy, did that room light up. <laughs> Everybody had an incredible favorite small house, tiny house. Um, I learned about Oh, the, the campground cottages in Martha's Vineyard. I learned about the dune shacks. I learned about the the, uh, the earthquake cottages in um, uh, San Francisco, the bandbox houses in Philadelphia, and on and on. And I said, wow, if these, this group has that many ideas, I'll bring it up at, at a couple of other uh, group meetings, parties, and so on, and see what happens. And everybody, but everybody had, had knew of tiny houses that hadn't, you know, that hadn't been really brought into a book type form. So uh, I started. Uh, I, I got my hiking boots on and I started going out after these these tiny houses. And it was so much fun. I can't even tell you. It was the most fun I ever had in my professional life. Oh, uh, scouting out these these little buildings and photographing them and drawing them and putting them into a book. And back then there were no computers, so I had to actually do all the drawings and all the typesetting and everything. And so I gave my publisher uh, uh, camera-ready art. Nice. Wow. That was 1987 when it was finally published. That's fascinating. Did it take you two years because you had to do all that um, basically handwork hand as opposed to photos and whatever? It took at least three years. I, I, the way I remember it was five, but that's not... That's got to be about... Uh, the... the, the the, the, the best house competition was really '83. It was published in '84. You got to, you know, the, it probably was four years. And the, the thing that took me all the all the time was um, uh, I'm a very slow writer, <laughs> <laughs> and um, the drawings I wanted to be the best drawings I ever did. So I really got into the drawings, uh, drawing of drawings of it. I wanted to show construction. I wanted to show. Uh, uh, furniture, uh, how they were built, and so on. Wow. So really easy to do with small houses. They were all under 325 square feet. I think that's wow. the goal I set for myself. Wow. Wow. 
So were you working a full-time gig at the same time, or that was Yes, I'm a registered gig? architect working in New York. I have an office with my son as my partner, and uh, we do uh, mostly residential, but some commercial. So I, um, Michelle was talking about back when you were writing the book, I think. Yeah. I was writing the book, yes, and uh, uh, I was also a, a professor of architecture at City College during that time, so I had a lot going on. So you must have been, I mean, this was the 80s, so... The internet didn't really exist. So you must no, have like, spent all the time on the phone. I know. I went to libraries. Wow. wow. How how did you then reach out and find people? I mean, I mean, I, I know. It's like, <laughs> wow. Was there a phone? But I mean, I understand. Be an example of yeah. uh, a second example of the uh, Cape Cod dune shacks. Somebody told me there were some incredible shacks. Out Amazing. I, the, I was just uh, right near Provincetown in the in the dunes. Yeah. So. I got into my car and I went out there and I almost killed myself because of the heat. It was like the Sahara Desert. I'll never forget it. But I finally got to this one little shack and uh, there was this lady living in the shack and uh, she told me all about them. And then I went to, to a library somewhere there and got some more information about the history of them. And uh, I came back with all these photographs and uh, I drew, uh, did drawings and wrote what I what happened, uh, what I learned from this woman and from uh, a little library out there. So that was kind of typical. So it, 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 seemed to me, it seems to me that this was like a, a, almost like a scavenger hunt for you. And then when you find these things, there's this huge prize. <laughs> Sorry, I know, right now you can go on the you can go on the internet type in tiny houses and find a billion tiny houses but the, back then there were none and, right. and I had to learn about them uh, through in during you know in my daily life like I just explained at that one meeting um, the, some of them were famous like the campground cottages on Martha's Vineyard a lot of people knew about them and there were articles about them in mag architecture magazines and so on so I could Find out, find about them, out about them in libraries, but um, many of them, like for example, the ice fishing shanties. Nobody had, nobody had documented these ice fishing shanties, and they were incredible. And so I went out at Lake Champlain and uh, scouted around and interviewed a bunch of old redneck guys drinking beer and eating potato chips and fishing. Wow. And, uh, and these smelly cottages, but those, some of them are just beautiful. So you, you can't believe. And what was really interesting with those, those is these guys, they want to get away from their wives. <laughs> one reason or another. It's, there were no women there. And, and, and they just sort of get on these sled. These, they put these little cottages, you know, six by ten, six by eight on, on a sled and they just sort of push it out into the ice, and there are hundreds of them, and they make they make this kind of really beautiful little town of ice fishing shanties, and um, that was the most interesting part the, the the kind of anarchy of the town. There was no there was no town hall. There was no church. You know, typical New England town. It was just these ice fishing shanties scattered all over. And the guys that wanted to be away from everybody were way out, you know. And the guys that wanted to be close to their friends were close. And it was all pretty interesting to, to, to study. And the smell. And the smell. The smell. <laughs> Get the women away. Bring out the fish. Say goodbye. Kerosene, potato chip, kerosene, 
body odor and fish. Wow. All mixed together. together. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. And they slept in these things. <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. It was that, and was that like a weekend thing that they tended to do? Yeah, well, I think it was mostly a weekend thing, okay. yeah. All right, okay. Wow. Uh, oh, I know, it's like we're trying to envision the we're, smell. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and we're trying to take notes while you because so, you've got these golden words coming out of your mouth, Les. I, so. was just, I was just at P-Town, and I saw those dune cottages, and so I was, while you were talking also, I was showing these, these guys the pictures of those dune cottages. I also took pictures, and I was pretty fascinated. But they all look the same, and they're all, they're all lined up like little box houses, like someone just kind of, uh, I don't think so. I think you got the wrong cottages. I know what you're talking about. There's some, there's some uh, beautiful in Truro. There's some beautiful cottages on the on a, the inlet. Okay. Side the bay side that are all lined up. These are really scrubby looking, uh, built from from uh, little cottages built, and they're all different, and they're not lined up. They're tucked into these oh, dunes, okay. and they were built by the the, the coast guard people who um, who had uh, a, a base out there in the 1890s and then artists eventually got out there and they're all driftwood and hacked up uh, plywood and, and, and stuff and somebody made a well uh, a community well where they get their water and uh, they're they're the most unbelievably um, beat up um, uh, rustic cottages you could ever imagine wow so it's it you know, I, I used to think that this tiny house movement was was relatively new, but it's from what you're saying, it's been here for a long time, actually. Uh, well, uh, I, I think so. I, you know, uh, in 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 the late in the, all throughout the '90s, people were sending me uh, pictures of their of their cottages that they had built. They, uh, so I think it started. Yeah, I think it started mid '80s or, or early '90s. Why were they sending you pictures? They wanted me to. I don't know. They wanted to show me what they had done. <laughs> but but is it because uh, some of, of the bodies, Some of them were really really cool. And and you know also I also learned about some some cottage some small houses uh, from other people that I wish I had in the book. For example, <clears throat> the Pout House. The Pout House is a house in the Carolinas, built in the Carolinas, uh, by people who have a pro- have a problem with one another when they, uh, when they ha- when a spouse has a a fight with an, with one of his wow. his or her others <laughs> with his wife or or, or or husband. They the one that instigates the fight gets to go out in the Pout House, <laughs> wow. take a break. And, and in the pout house, there's a refrigerator with a couple of beers, you know, and a, a nice bed, maybe a television. Uh, and they just cool out. And wow. it's, it's, it sounds like a really neat kind of way to do a tiny house. It does. And there's another one where I found out about that I couldn't, I really tried to get photographs and I couldn't. It was called a, uh, a script writer's cottage. And it was built in Hollywood on the film sets where they would have the writers, uh, lock, they'd lock them in. And then, yeah, and, and, and you, you had, the writer had to finish that script before they'd be let out of the, out of the house. <laughs> That's a business model. I like that. <laughs> I can do a lot of things. 
I've, I've heard tiny houses called a lot of things, but never a pout, pout house. Pout, pout that's house? Right. That's awesome. Well, it's well, I say have a pout house in the book, but uh, I photographed it, but I called it the tar paper house. It's a little tiny house that was built in Maine by this couple, and they used it the same way, but they just I just had never heard the, the term pout house until after the book was published. I mean, in a lot of ways, less haven't tiny houses always been around. I mean, I think back to my dad was born in the 20s in Seattle, and I remember seeing a picture of their first home, and they bought for like $3,000, but it was like a shotgun shack. I mean, it was a, yeah. a, a, a tiny well, house. So has it just been, has it kind of always been here? It's just kind absolutely. of... Absolutely. The, the first English settlers' cottages were, I've got them right, first house in the book, 14 by, 14 by 12, 168 square feet. Wow. And... Um, Wow. They were small with no, virtually no windows. Wow! Because of heat, right? And uh, they had a sleeping loft for kids, huh. and uh, <clears throat> a really, really neat house. You know, built by people that didn't have much talent at home building. Yeah. So, so let's. What happened with this? With this first? So you got this book together after your blo- lovely blood, sweat, and tears. Put it on the market. Did it sell? Uh, yeah, it sold really well. Did it? It really? sold over a hundred thousand. Wow. And this, so did that prompt you to do your next book on tiny houses? Uh, the, the next book is, is like a Reader's Digest condensed version of this book. Okay. Uh, it's called The Tiny Book of Tiny Houses. Oh. It's a really little book. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it's got about half the amount of houses in it that, that the original, original book has. Huh. Is the original book still in print? I'm not sure. I, um, I think it is. Um, but, you know, they haven't told me it is Overlook Press. Okay. Yeah, it looks like Anywhere. it's available on Amazon. New or... It yeah. probably is. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what do you think of the... the are, you, are you staying up on what's happening with the tiny house movement? Sure. I, yeah. I, I see it on television all the time. And uh, uh, there are many books... About it, my publisher even approached me to do another one, and but we both agreed that we already had done it. So yeah, but there are books coming out that are really filled with color. My book is primarily black and white, mm. and you know with black and white drawings, mm-hmm. and uh, so it's a little more. The bo- other books coming out are a little more flashy, but they don't have the histor- historic buildings in that I have. Well, that's the thing. It seems as though you would you would almost think, looking at the movement now, that the tiny house movement started like in the... 15 years ago? Yeah. Yeah, you would. Yeah. Well, I mean, even Dee Williams, Williams, you know, she built her tiny house in 2007, I think it was. I think so, yeah. And Jay Schaefer, I believe, was in in, around the same period of time. So... um, That we'll, we'll just call it the modern version yeah. of the tiny house movement Right, started, sort of like baseball, yeah. the golden era. Yeah. Exactly. yeah, yeah. But it's only really been in the past um, 12 to 16 months that I think it sort of officially reached its tipping point with the, with the uh, help of the internet and, of course, the television shows. Um, I interviewed them um, for the first episode of the first television show and its first production run. That was only 18 months ago. Um, so it's really, really taken off. I know it's amazing. What do you? What do you? Uh, um, New, the New Yorker magazine uh, did a review of my book, probably ten years ago, and uh, uh, they called me the father of the tiny house movement at that time. 
So since that time, people have forgotten, you know, pretty much. And there are new fathers of the tiny house movement, I think. Well, we'll call you the grandfather of the tiny house I'll be the grandfather. Absolutely. I mean, some people would, I think some people would agree with me when I say that the movement considers maybe Jay Schaefer and mm-hmm. Dee Williams as the founders of the tiny right. house movement. The modern, the modern yeah, era. definitely. Yeah. I mean, uh, right. and again, I think it has to do with... Um, the tiny house on wheels. So, oh, um, great segue, Michelle. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, um, talk a little bit about um, you know the the tiny houses on foundations, the tiny houses on wheels. Have you wrapped your head around it? Do do where are you, where do you stand on the whole legality issue about people building tiny houses on wheels and driving them down the road with no experience whatsoever? Huh. I don't. I don't know about the tiny houses on wheels. I think they're kind of. Why not buy a really neat tra- uh, trailer or an airstream or, so- or something? It's just they're so you can't you can't hope to use to, to emulate the technology that these factories uh, do with their trailer technology, and uh, and they've got all the bathroom, kitchen, shower thing all worked out. And uh, to me, um, I think it should be more of a little permanent number in your backyard or in the woods somewhere that you that you um you know that you know a spot where you could build something and nobody will notice um in (laughs) fact the first cottage i I, I mean i've forgotten this i should i should tell you the first cottage i ever saw i was hiking in maine up near cutler which is about as east far east as you can get and uh I, i i I came to this place, it looked like the Yosemite waterfall, I swear. It was so beautiful. And there was this little tiny tar paper cottage um, with beautiful blankets and silverware and little dishware you look in the window. And it was made mostly out of uh, uh, driftwood and obviously some other lumber that had been carried. But I was about an hour out of Cutler on this little animal trail. And this cottage, it was spectacular. Uh, I mean, it was just so beautifully built. A little gable roof, a wood-burning uh, stove that somebody probably bought in, brought in by boat. And I got back into the town. I had no camera, no, no record of it. Um, I got back into town, and I said, what was that? And the po- they, they said nobody knew about it except the postmaster who told me that um, it was built by an 80-year-old lady wow. over a period of about five years. And uh, she just went out there to write. And um, uh, I went out there the following summer to photograph it and to draw it. Uh, This would have been before I even thought about this uh, book. Yeah. And um, uh, it was gone. Wow. The storm had just wiped it out. Wow. It was pretty close to the water. Right. Right. It was was in a low area. That's uh, but that that was like that was a mind blow for a young architect because uh, you know I realized that good architecture doesn't have to be done by architects. Right. <laughs> right. How old were you then? Uh, <laughs> There's always been, math in our show. That would have been 1963 or so. Oh wow! Okay. So I wasn't so, born. <laughs> I was toddling around. Um, last, uh, a lot of architects that I've met tend to like want to affect skylines, you know, of a city. They want to erect huge buildings and 
kind of leave that as a legacy and you're much more focused on tiny houses. What do your kind of current contemporaries in the architectural world think about tiny houses and, and, and your involvement in that? Well, but I mean... Uh, I don't think... I don't... You know, I'm mostly, an, I'm mostly an architect. And when you teach architecture, you don't teach tiny houses. You teach regular houses. And when you, when you deal with being an architect, I, I, I hardly ever deal with um, tiny, little tiny houses. I, I'm, I'm always dealing with regular houses. And um, one thing I really like about it is that I've pretty much learned about every style of house that you ever could imagine. Mm -hmm. In fact, I wrote another book on that called American Shelter. Mm -hmm. And uh, with all my, my drawings as well. I, what I really like to do is draw. If I, I could I, draw all day, every day, I'd be really happy. I can hear that. Um, so, in answer to your question, I would say that I'm, I'm sort of fighting. I sort of it, It's sort of a fight because... I'm known for tiny houses, but so people who want to have some an architect hire an architect work on their big house, you know, they well may, he might be good with tiny houses, but he might not be that good, you know, with a big house. Yeah, you know, that, I had to fight that for a while, but so you maintain a separation of church and state, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly it. So do you but have nowadays, any... uh, nowadays, I'm so far removed from the book. It's been almost 30 years that uh, I don't think people, uh, at least in Woodstock, don't really think of me as a tiny house person. Right. Do What's... you have any favorites in the, in the modern tiny house aesthetic? Um, <clears throat> you, you've seen them on TV. Have, have any no, architectural perspectives? I don't have favorites. I, I, I like the ones that, that are not on wheels, that are, you know, really... Um, more modern and thought out. I don't like the clunky ones too much. What would you just what 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 do you mean by clunky? Like like a uh, all this rough cut wood and and um, uh, big heavy beams and so on. I like the real the real uh, well designed uh, slender uh, buildings that use uh, efficient construction. Yeah. Um, I heard a podcast a couple of weeks ago. And I'm curious, I don't know how big they were, because they didn't describe it, but they were bubble houses from an architect named Wallace Neff. Are you familiar no, with the, the... No, I'm not. The bubble house? Okay, well... I'm not. So, so what's, the, what's the largest structure you've put your architecture skills to? <laughs> well, we just finished an office building that's like uh, about 15,000 square feet. Wow. And we did a community center for the town that's... Probably uh, eight thousand square feet, seven thousand square feet. Have you ever had Have you ever had someone come to your firm and ask you to design a tiny house? Design a a, a tiny house? Uh huh. You're breaking up a little bit there. Uh, um, I think it's Mark, right? Uh, Perry. Uh, Perry. Uh, let's see. Uh, I've had people come to me ask me to design them uh, uh, an artist studio. Hmm. And I've done several of those, mm -hmm. uh, maybe ten. Oh wow! How much? <laughs> that's someone in your background, I suppose. <laughs> um, is is 
can you say how much those designs cost? I'm just curious because of the what what our audience probably pays for plans from other people and what you would charge for such a design. I don't. Um, I can't say how much they they would cost. Uh, because everything is so different. I did one that's all glass, wow. and another one that's uh, that's got all this wild decoration on it, like the campground cottages. Uh, so it's. Totally, they're just totally different. Mm -hmm. um, would you mind? You might want to do one out of plywood, sheets of plywood, and, and you know, and spend uh, five hundred bucks on it, or you might want to do the all glass one, which might cost thirty thousand. Wow, thirty thousand. It's it's really wildly different. Yeah. Do you have a Do you have a favorite design aesthetic? Um, you draw a lot. If if you were to, if you were to draw for the rest of your life and do nothing but that, would you? Do you have a favorite? You mentioned modern, but yet it's not like I like any kind of style. I, I even like split level houses. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Harry doesn't apparently. I know. Well, he's wrong. You, you, once, if you if you pick up a copy of my book, uh, <laughs> American Shelter, go to the the split level house. Because I hated split-level houses before I started studying them, and they're kind of neat. They're, they're they're into the California uh, the, the, the California good life and and the backyard patio and the TV room and you know all that stuff that, that, that we like. Uh, they kind of made a uh, three-dimensional uh, building out of it, and it's 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 uh, indicative of the all the houses. Every every bit of architecture is really indicative of the, the age that they were. Uh, product they're a product of their age yeah and uh the television set had a huge huge impact on architecture and the the split level house is one of the one of the examples of that well how how is that how is that yeah uh well m mom did not want the tv in the living room uh and didn't want anybody sitting around in her living room I'm saying mom, but mom, maybe mom and dad. But back then in the fifties, it was probably mom. And uh, and so there was there was this room, this kind of family game room, game room that developed uh, a half level down. It wanted to be part of the the living room, but it so they only made it a half level down from the uh, uh, living room, and then they found. You know, that's where the kids and the TV and, and so on happened. But they found that since they were half level down, they were also even with the the the, the outdoors. So they uh, they made a backyard patio, and that began barbecuing and, and the whole California good life thing. Right. With the you know with and and of course in in the Northeast that meant the disappearance of the front porch, which was sort of sad. Right. And the but loss of that's what architecture does. You know, it's one of the last, one of the last uh, art forms that that, that 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 shows us what our life is, how our life is changing. Well, we we certainly right now everybody in my a lot of people in my my, my most of my clients like modern. So uh, it's funny. I was educated as a modern architect back in the back in the sixties. And um, then uh, postmodernism came along, and arts and crafts, and so on, and everybody trashed modernism. So I, be, you know, began to uh, change, and now we're back to modern. So I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> 
So what do you, what do you think of the the architectural style that individuals are creating in their tiny houses? Uh, well, I I think they're all good. You know, from <clears throat> you've got to come up with really innovative uh, uh, ways to to save space. So the sink might be under the under a ladder up to a loft and all that kind of thing. So I, I really find this tremendously interesting. What do you think about ladders in tiny houses as opposed to stairs? Well, you can't fit a stair, and you certainly can't fit a, a, a code stair. Yeah. So you've got to have a ladder. Huh. Uh, I think it, it stair would take the, take up the room of the whole place. A legal stair. In any of your uh, books or any of your there was one that had really like a book set of bookshelves that you walked up. Yeah. And, uh, I, I've forgotten that one. It was I really I thought that was great where you walk up these bookshelves. So they were using it as bookshelves, but then it became a ladder to get up to the loft. Right. Um, I'm curious if any uh, any of your overseas trips, if you've visited any tiny houses and in, in, in any way are they different from what you've seen in the United States? Well, I have a, a couple of overseas houses in my book. The the, the chattel house, and that's. Uh, popular or famous in, in Barbados where there were slaves and they weren't allowed to own their own land. And so they, their house became a possession or a chattel. And so they built it really small, really light, and they horses could pull it, uh, much like Cape Cod cottages. And um, they could, and when, they, when they lost their job, they could... They still owned their house, even though they didn't own their land. So they could move their house to another spot. So it was called a chattel house. Oh. It's a lot like uh, Cape Cod Cottage. And um, then uh, uh, George Bernard Shaw in England had this great house on a pole. And it was it was really more a studio than a house. They had to call it a studio where he wrote. And he loved the sun. So he would rotate the house depending on the sun on this pole. <laughs> That's also in the book. Wow. And, you know, so I sent for photographs and so on. I, I, whenever I go to cities, though, for example, Amsterdam has a, the, you know, the, the world's thinnest house, and it's like eight feet wide. <clears throat> and, and so I, I definitely go in there. And Philadelphia has these bandbox houses all over the place that were uh, three stories, 10 by 10. So they, they were 300 square feet. Wow. And they had first floor is a living room, second floor a bedroom, third floor a bedroom, and uh, they're called uh, what are they called? Father, Son, and Holy God Trinity houses because they have three floors. <laughs> so what about the um, so um, today you have you invite people over to your house. You've talked about the the sort of evolution of architecture as a <clears throat> as an illustration of who we are and and our lifestyles. Um, Today you invite people over to your house and, and you set up the dining room table and it's all pretty, but everybody comes and hangs out in the kitchen. Um, <laughs> it's what, it's interesting you ask me that now because I just moved out of a, uh, a little house that I, my wife and I lived in for 30 years. It's a little tiny arts and crafts house that's been published everywhere. Uh, you know, like a, it's 1,700 square feet. We decided that we wanted to get rid of all of our possessions as, as many as we could, and move into a modern house. And this 1950s little California ranch came on the market right near our house. It's a beautiful site surrounded by these uh, 
spruce tree, uh, Norway spruce trees. Uh, it's a couple acres, and so we said, okay. Uh, one of us had to convince the other more than you know. We had to, we kept each on each other and said, let's just change our whole lifestyle. You know, we're getting we're getting down to the the final uh, moment here. Let's just change our whole lifestyle and have some fun and have a new house. So we got this we got this 1950s ranch with a two car garage attached and so on, and we just blew the whole floor out and added a wing, made the, the back of it all glass. And uh, so we have a living room, dining room, kitchen in one spot. It's very modern. Uh, if you want to look at my website, you could probably find it. And um, it's, uh, so when we're sitting in the dining room, in the kitchen, you're also sitting in the dining room and the living room. Uh, the kitchen's part of that. And that's kind of a modern way of, people are wanting to do now. They're calling it a great room, but it's more of a, a modern idea, I think. What's, what's, what's your house, your, the house that you just described is on your website? I think it is on the website. And what's it, what's your house, what's that house called? California Ranch. Okay. Thanks, Jess. <laughs> I wanted to, you know, I, I told you that, that I like any style of house. I wanted to keep the front of the uh, house looking the same, so I did. Uh, the front looks like a little California ranch house, but the back is, uh, and in the inside, when you walk in, you go, oh my God, this is not what I expected. We, we, we wiped out all the, all the walls and so on. And wow. it's also 1700 square feet, which is not big. Nice. And what's the, what's the name of the house that you moved out of? Um, Streamside Cottage. Okay. Is that's on your website? I think that's it. Okay. That's on the website too. Great. You, uh, your son Jess, and you um, work in this architecture firm um, together. Um, can you talk about his proclivity towards, you know, architecture, and how does that relationship work? And and do you? Oh, that's find really amazing that you asked that because you could write a book about that. <laughs> he, he, I, he, we both graduated from Yale thirty years apart. Wow. And he is com totally computer computer oriented, and I'm. I, I got my pencil and my ink pens and my T-squares and all that. And I don't know computers at all. He does it all on computer. He doesn't even have a drafting table. He's got a computer. Wow. Wow. And so we have these clashes of the old and the new all the time. And we have to resolve them because we have to. We're, <laughs> you know, we're partners. And uh, they get resolved. But, but you know, they're, they're like uh, little difficult moments. And... Um, uh, I mean, I couldn't elaborate really much on it, except that I can't change and he can't change. Right. <laughs> so we have to work it out, and we do. Nice. I used to work for. Uh, I used to work with an engineer, and and uh, some of the designers would tell him, "Just because you can draw it doesn't mean we can build it." <laughs> that was kind of like a famous line, like. Uh, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So do your do your clients prefer the paper construction models that you make or the uh, CAD drawing uh, rend renderings that your son makes? Both. Both. We do Very both. politically correct. <laughs> right right down the middle. Think is that we can do, we can, we have both going for us. That's, uh, that, that whole thing sounds like it could be an awesome movie, frankly. Yeah. You I know? know. I know. That it sounds really be. cool. Yeah. Well, 
Uh, Les, I really want to thank you for being on the show today, or actually, we really want to thank you. Me too. It's not just my show. Yeah. Um, I'd be grudging it, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pleasure. You know, it's like uh, a moment in my life that I'll remember. And because uh, this is, it's been 30 years, I actually had to read the book again. <laughs> <laughs> so I really had fun reading the book. And uh, just talking about it with you has really been really been uh, a great fun. That's oh, great, Les. Well, we're we're excited to get the show uh, in front of people so they can listen about it. I think people are going to love this story. I think so too. Hope so. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you, listeners, for tuning in this week, and uh, join us next week for another episode of Tiny House Podcast. See ya. See ya. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Tiny House Podcast. To find us online, go to tinyhousepodcast.com, where you will also find our show notes, if we remember to put them there. Our logo was designed by the amazing Carolyn Maine. Our website is hosted by the gang at Sitecast. Our theme music is by Oma Studio. Please go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating, or whatever. You tiny house-loving bastard. Tiny House Podcast is probably made in Portland, Oregon. 